Welcome to Gay Mystery Podcast, featuring interviews with renowned LGBTQ authors and up-and-coming talent of mystery, suspense, and thriller novels. I'm your host, Brad Shreve, and Justine Adamick is here with her weekly recommendation. Justine, I think you know the name Graham Cheater. I do. And he's given us a special thing for our show. Yes, he gave us a database, as we mentioned several times now, he gave us a database of all the shows we've mentioned, and it was wonderful, and it vanished from our website while I did some updates, and it's back on the website now, it says books mentioned up at the top. So if anybody would like to look at that, it's a good resource, and I'm bringing it up again because guess who who our guest is today? Well, you just told me your guest was Graham Cheater. Well, I, I didn't know, I thought I just told you. Oh, I did. You, I didn't tell I you. Kind I kind of blew that surprise. Yes, I just said, <laughs> do you, do you, do you know the name? I didn't say, our, the guest is. So there you go. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. Let me add it again, Brad. Who's your guest? It's Graham Cheater. Wow, that's terrific. I'm so surprised. I know, isn't it something? It's just <laughs> shocking. Yeah, we're getting punchy at the end of the year here. <laughs> well, before we get to your bit, okay. while people are going to be looking at the website to look at his database, there's a couple of things I want to let people know. Just recently, I've had two different listeners say, I really like this author. Could you please have him on the show? And I asked both and they're both on, they both agreed they would love to be on the show. So it's a great mm-hmm. thing. So if anybody would like to recommend an author that has or has not been on the show, um, they just have to identify as LGBTQ. Sex and romance are okay in the book, but it can't be more than the crime. The crime has to be prime. But it, so if there's a author that fits that, that you would like to have on the show, please let us know. And th- what you can do, there's two ways that you can do this. You can go to gaymysterypodcast.com and hit the contact button. And we all know what that stuff looks like. <laughs> but Justine, I don't even know if you know this. Do you know that we have voicemail on the website? I do not. Yes. So if you go to our website on the bottom right, there's a little blue microphone. Just click on that and you can leave a voicemail. You- well, you can leave a voicemail suggesting an author, but I bet we, they will could leave a voicemail making a comment. And, and I could probably twist your arm to play in some of the comments on uh, on the show. I would be happy to. So if you don't want your comment to be on the show, say so in your comment. Otherwise, we may put you on the show. And it's not the voicemail is not just to request other guests. You can tell us how we're doing. I've had some people tell me they missed the wheel. I've had some people say they don't miss the wheel. So you can can tell me what you think on that, too. (laughs) You know, of all the controversies we thought we would have when we started this show, whether or not we had the wheel was not something I thought of. Well, I'll let people know why I stopped using it. I had one or two guests in a row where we just really got in a flow of a good conversation and I forgot all about it. And I thought, you know, the conversation really flowed. So I'm just going to keep doing that. Well, it it took a while, but eventually a couple of people brought it up. Like, where's the wheel? Mm -hmm. And one guest said, oh, no, I'm ready for that wheel. I'm like, no, you don't have to worry about it. So. <laughs> so again, any questions, any comments, if you'd like to request a guest on the show, 
just I think you ought to just randomly the- call people, Brad, and like you know, spin the wheel and ask them. <laughs> ask them to be on the show. No, spin oh. the wheel and just ask them a question, and then put clips on the show. Okay, there we go. That's a good. That's a good one. So we'll, <laughs> maybe I'll do a, a wheel each week of question of the week. There you go. <laughs> All right, so hit the contact button or leave a voicemail all on the website. And I think that's all I had to add today. Oh, that was quite a bit. Yeah. And and now the show's short- over. Thank you, everybody, no. for listening. Yep, I, I canceled Graham, so move along. <laughs> I know you have a short book you're going to discuss today. I do. It's a very short novella. Uh, I read it in about an hour and a half. So... There's a brand new writer out there called Ripley Hayes, and her first book was published, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and it hit the top 10 in gay mystery. And, you know, she had been posting excited things about it, and then she said, oh, this is going to be my last excited post about my new release. It made the top 10. Well, and that's really disappointing because she won't get excited about this review. So this is set in Wales. And fortunately, I don't have to learn a whole new system of police. They have DIs and DCIs and and other uh, British ranks that I know about. The towns, I will not ever try to pronounce them. There's way (laughs) too many W's and not nearly enough vowels. By the way, we've had a lot of people from Europe on lately. And I yes. have more coming up, which is interesting, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I look, uh, the stuff coming out of uh, Europe and, and the UK, especially UK is not part of the European Union anymore. It's it's oh. all been terrific. Yeah. It's been great. So this is a classic detective novel. The It started with a detective from one station being sent across across the country or maybe across wherever from the it's from the highlands or the hills down to the valley to participate in another station's investigation and so that that sounded a lot like last week's book where the you know somebody was being sent to another station to kind of you know figure out what was going on in the investigation but in this one they his boss sent him over because it ended up being his boss's cousin who was murdered. So a woman was murdered and her body was dumped down a collapsed mine shaft. And it, it and it's just a police procedural, pretty good mystery. It's got a it's got a surprise ending. It's it's got a, a fair amount of clues and it's got some unique twists and turns where uh, especially the collapsed mine shaft. Cars running down people and ex- exciting confrontations with the killer at the end. It was just, uh, it was a wonderful book and it has a Cracker Jack rating. Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack. It's also got a, a, a fairly hot sex scene in there. It was, it looked like it wasn't a mystery in service of a romance. It looked like it was a romance kind of stuck into a mystery, but the mystery crime was prime. But if you don't like that, you can pass. If you really like that, as many of our listeners do, pick this one up pretty quickly. It's on the line. Yes, it's on the line. And forgive me if you said it, I, I don't really listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> That you missed all the bad things I said about you earlier. Yeah. What's the title of the title again? Undermined. Oh, I don't think you said it. No, I don't think I did. Okay. Undermined. Undermined. Yes. And and it, it refers to it refers to, you know, a collapsed mind being undermined. 
you know, collapsed mine. I thought was was a is a underused place to dump the, a dump a body. There really ought to be more abandoned mines. <laughs> and this is the first in a series. At the end of the book, you can read the next the first chapter of the next book. Oh, interesting. Okay, and if you're busy during the holidays, this is a novella, so a good time to pick up a novella. Not yep. take as much time. Yeah, and I didn't have a lot of time because I had to like create next week's review for the year. Yes. Um, cornucopia. Yep, the end of the year is coming and Justine's got her show. Looking forward to it. I am too. And you had an announcement you wanted to make. Oh, well, you know, this is my usual soapbox announcement of please, please, please order books from your independent bookstore. If they don't make it in the Christmas season, it's not going, there's not going to be another chance afterwards. Your local bookstore will order any book that's available in paperback for you. If you see a bunch more you like than you can afford to buy, press your local library to order them. Perfect. Well, that was short and sweet. Excellent. So I guess we'll go to Graham. Okay. Have fun. See you next week. Interact with other crime fiction fans and authors in our game mystery thriller suspense fiction group on Facebook. Links are on our website, GameMysteryPodcast.com. Graham Cheater says books and reading have been life working in libraries over 50 years and sometimes as a bookseller. Having to take medical retirement earlier than expected, he now has the luxury of reading when he can and maintains an online catalog to allow him to concentrate on the familiar. Of course, he is always trolling sites for new releases, the next big read, the next new read, and those favorite authors and series. Welcome to the show, Graham. Thanks, Brad. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're on here. Now... (laughs) I invited you because I discovered you in the gay leg- gay mystery suspense thriller group on Facebook. And I don't invite everyone in that group, obviously, because that's all this show would be about. But but you stand out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Justine. Yes. And she does the book recommendations at the start of the show, as you know, and she is an incredible bibliophile. And I invited her on the show to be on the show with me for that reason. And then there's Matt Lubbers Moore, who I believe you know. Yes, again. He's been a guest on this show twice and wrote Murder and Mayhem. It's a bibliography of gay and queer males in mystery. Mm-hmm. And Matt also has read more gay mystery novels than most anyone I know. Uh, definitely more than me. <laughs> more um, than you. Uh... I don't know. Yes. That's where that's why I brought you on. I don't think I've talked to anybody that has an inventory as large as yours. Oh, okay. Um, well, there are with inventories, but I'm not entirely sure uh, whether they've read them all. And I have to admit that I've got several in my catalogue that are in this huge TBR pile. But um, as us all readers know, We've always got more that we want to read and um, and buy more than we can manage to read, probably. Yeah, exactly. Well, how many print books do you have, print books? Print books are around about 1,500, but I made the transition to uh, digital because it was 
had I had to know more about e-readers for my work. And I started then buying my books in digital. But as it's turned out, digital is just so great because you've got this, you can set your font size, you can set the density of the backlight, all those sorts of uh, reading aids that were never available uh, in the past. And uh, so I'm, I can comfortably read, I can easily handle a, an e-reader, and sadly my print collection is relegated to the front room. <laughs> well, I, it's blasphemy to many people, but I prefer an e-reader too. I love my Kindle. How many books would you say you have stored away in your e-reader? Um, well, I have, as you know, and as you mentioned, I keep an online catalogue. Um, yes, I am a pendant cataloger from way back. And I've got 11,000 entries in that. That's not all mystery. Um, and some can be just simply an entry for a short story, as you know, some of those freebie giveaways can be very short. Um, but I want to know that I've got them and where I've got them. So, uh, yeah, around about 11,000. Um, I was just opening um, that catalogue prior to the talking and um, I have tagged everything that appears in Matt's um, bibliography mm-hmm. and I've got 1,500 from that bibliography that are listed. And, of course, the pre- what I consider the uh, precursor to that, the uh, Drury Wayne Gun game Mystery Sleuth in Print and Film, got that tagged as well. Not quite as many from that list because it's an older list. So. Well, that's 26,000 books or more. You know, I, like most people, I have more books in my Kindle than I'll ever be able to get to, but I'm not even, we're not even in the same universe when it comes to the total number. Uh, I'm humbled. Interestingly enough, as part of prepping, I I thought to myself, and I I actually see myself more as a dabbler than a gung-ho bibliophile. And as such, I, I, I do feel that um, what I've got there is interesting and I love the fact that people can find it and have a look and possibly be inspired by what they might find different from from the online catalogue. But uh, I still feel as though I dabble. Well, you dabble very well. Uh, One thing I want to let the listeners know, for months, Justine and I have asked listeners to go over our old episodes and create a data book database of all the books we've mentioned in our 60 plus episodes and we did this tongue-in-cheek thinking no one would ever do this no one in their right mind no one in their right mind and bless you you surprised us by actually giving us the database so we are very grateful for you doing that for us thank you for that um I wondered um, when it disappeared, when you revamped your website and it disappeared, I thought, oh, was it something I said? <laughs> <laughs> and then realised the technicalities of what I'd created doesn't fit with every platform. But that sort of task, uh, for want of a better word, is my stock in trade and has been my stock in trade for years. And so it wasn't so much a challenge. It's like, I know how to do this and I can do it. So I'm glad that I've been able to provide and um, I'm, gl- I'm glad that somebody else is updating it because that's an aspect quite often where I flag uh, energy flags. Well, you, it was a, a technicality when we got the new website up, but you'll be happy to know it is now there on the new website. 
And I check it regularly. Okay, good. It does need a little bit of updating. I think Justine and I have gone back and forth over who's going to update it. I'm going to, I'm going to, say, <laughs> I'm going to say it's her, but she'll probably say it's me. But it, it will be updated very frequently. And if anybody wants this to is see, me loudly not offering. Oh, sorry, <laughs> no, go I'm ahead. Just say this is, this is me loudly not offering. <laughs> no, you already told us that you were done when you sent it to us, and that's totally okay. I wouldn't expect you to do that more. Uh, and anybody mm. that does want to look at this uh, database where he lists all the basically the interviews I do and the books that they bring up, and also the book recommendations that Justine gives and she always gives them a recommendation of the either a glowing recommendation or oh i don't know suspenseful thrilling thrilling recommendations she got a list well graham has cataloged all that for us and just go to the go to our website gaymysterypodcast.com and there's a link at the top called books mentioned and it's right there for you out of the all the novels in your collection your best ballpark figure how many would you say you've read Mm. Half to two thirds. Well, that that's there's there's also um, if I can indulge myself in a little bit of background to that, in that this is in actual fact my what I consider my third collection. The two very major life changing events lost collection one and collection two, um, or disposed of. So uh, it's partly why I'm a little bit more precious about this collection and and so on. But uh, it is purely gay fiction. Oh, sorry. With I was going to say a smattering of non-fiction gay-related, but that's mainly the husband's uh, side of the collection. But um, uh, because I lost previous collections, both related to prior to coming out and prior to reading gay fiction, this one is very special, and that's why the reading rate is much higher. Well, it's impressive. Uh, again, it's not all gay fiction. I, right. uh, my trolling is about finding Nixon series and um, new stuff in the, I said not all gay fiction, I meant all with gay mystery. And uh, it, it's finding those ones. And that's where I spend a lot of uh, most of my trolling time. But I still read uh, what I consider across the board, occasional sci-fi fantasy. And of course, there's a plethora of romance, which disguises itself as other things for some readers as well. So. Yeah, and I, I was going to bring up romance. I I know you listen to the show, so you probably heard me tell the story. But when I first came out and started looking at gay novels and knew I wanted to write as well, all I found were romance and erotica. And there's a ton of those out there. And my husband enjoys them, but I've never been a big fan. And so when that's all I could find, it was disappointing to me. The first book I came across was Murder at Pride Lodge by Mark McNeese. And mm -hmm. I was thrilled at this discovery. That, <laughs> and that's where my journey began. Oh, interesting. Do you remember when you first found game mystery novels? I've been looking, trying to um, anticipate this answer. And I have to be honest, it's a bit difficult. But I would have to say the Dorian Gray uh, Dick Hardesty mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael Kraft's first series. Oh, mine gone blank. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael. Flight, Flight Dreams, I think, was the first one. <laughs> oh, dear. Michael um, will forgive you, I'm sure. Mark Manning, that's what it is. Oh, Mark Manning, yeah. yes, there you go. His Mark Manning yeah. series. Yeah. They would have to be probably the, the two 
which I would consider triggers, but again, being borderline bibliophile, I started looking and, of course, came across uh, the classics like uh, the Joseph Hansen, mm-hmm. the Michael Nava, and um, the Mark Zubro. I haven't had Hansen. He's not with us anymore, but uh, Michael Nava. Oh, Mark Zubro. They've both been on the show. That's right. Yes. And that's been something that's been very special for me to extract uh, whilst I do occasionally interact through Facebook and enjoy those interactions, to be able to hear them through the show has been fantastic. Well, I, I enjoy getting to meet a lot of these folks and some have become, become friends through the show so it, and mentors. If, if I was just starting to get into queer crime fiction and I asked you, what would you say is the one important novel I should read to begin the journey? I wouldn't. Oh. Because simply I can't. It's actually a question that I find very difficult when people post up, you know, what's your favourite? Invariably, they post up a, something that was published five seconds ago, forgetting about all the lovely old stuff. But every one of the series that I've and authors I've spoken about has its own special place, whether it be in the character, where the, it's in the author's voice. And, um, and it's not just because they're older. I find I'm considering it as being such a personal recommendation. I feel as though I've got to say about more than one and try and do why, um, but I can't always do that one either. Okay. Have you read The Gay Detective by Lou Rand? Yes. Okay. The reason I ask is we talk about Joseph Hansen's Dave, David Branster, Branstetter novels being the beginning of queer crime fiction. And his his first book, Fade Out, was published in 1970. The Gay Detective by Lou Ran came out nine years earlier in 1961. Do you know why it hasn't received as much recognition? I don't know that I can. One of the things, I've got a print version, um, which is a a Kleist Press reprint from 2003. And I'm not being very clever. I've actually got the screen in front of it giving me some clues that's okay um but i don't know if it's actually still uh, has been made available digitally and i would think both the digital availability or audio for those that that inclined and a little bit of a push here and there would make a big difference if i could comment as well um that's something that requeered tales have achieved or are achieving in uh, their republishing of a number of the gay mystery novels, uh, it's giving them a new voice, and there are so it's so difficult to get a new voice in for an older title. They've done an incredible job since they started, and I think a lot of people have really appreciated it. the The gay detective actually is out on ebook. And uh, my husband bought it and he said, you've got to read this book. And I kept putting it off, putting it off. And I think part of the problem is it was 1961. So the character is stereotypically flamboyant, but he uses that to his advantage to solve crimes. Yes. That's, I just always find it interesting that that book is always overlooked, but I think it's because it was so much of a stereotype that people like to forget that that was going on. There's a body of opinion that would that discard it now because it was a stereotype. When you read the prefaces to the Matt's book, Wayne Gunn's book, um, and the slide book on gay mysteries, 
they talk about how difficult it was to get any voice happening. So having it as the stereotype or the gay characters is is the villain was very much how they what everybody expected and what people would read. We don't want to read that these days. Yeah, and I kind of equate it to I don't know if you remember in the seventies TV show Soap. Yes. Yeah. I can't think of the actor's name, but he there was a character that was gay on the show. Uh, he was funny, but he's very over the top and he liked to wear women's dresses. And mm. looking back, it would be, it, it's kind of offensive the way the character was treated. But I remember in the, when I watched that, I'm like, oh my God, there's a great gay person on television. I was excited, even though it was a stereotype. Yeah, I, I still get excited to see the gay characters in the mainstream writing as well as uh, in television and film. Yeah. But yes, it is too easy to to go with that because that's what makes it makes people laugh. Mm-hmm. But of course, it doesn't make us laugh. Yeah, but it's got, it's gotten better over the years. And bringing up over the years, what kind of changes have you seen over the years, over the past couple of decades? The big change that I've reminded about is in actual the publishing. It's quite amazing when I I spoke about the Dorian Gray. Um, he it was his own press, GLB Publishers, and got it out there. But then there were presses like the Allison Press. But the mainstream, for a while there, were doing it. Macmillan Publishers had an imprint called, uh, through St Martin's Press called Stonewall Inn Mysteries, parent company like Macmillan, to be publishing those sort of mysteries. I found quite astounding mm-hmm. at being in the library and buying them for public consumption. Then there seems to have been a cultural cringe of some sort. It just went belly up. Uh, you don't see very many of the mainstream publishers willingly publish anything. Exceptions would have to be, of course, to the new Anne Cleves, Christopher Rice maybe. And the gay-specific publishers, get myself into strife here, but aren't reliable. And so, therefore, the whole independent publishing has made then the biggest change mm-hmm. uh, that then becomes uh, a an individual author's fight for survival because they've got to do the lot, the the PR, the marketing, the sales. What's your take on contemporary gay mystery novels? Reading-wise, I don't mind if it's a bit more romance mystery than mystery romance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I do know that across our colleagues, for the want of a better phrase, um, that's not, not always agreed upon. But I think too often it does swap to the book three in a series or so. It loses the the mystery to a certain extent because the author's struggling to find the next grab for their own writing style. I got to say, I agree with that. I've seen some uh, really good authors write great mysteries, and they also write great secondary arcs that have to do with romance. I agree with you over time. I've noticed as a series progresses because characters or readers really start to fall in love with the characters that you see the mystery starting to be pushed more in the background. And that seems to be kind of what you're saying. Yes, it is. You filled in the gap of where I was going to go with that. So thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, Because that trend is not just in gay uh, mysteries. You look at most of the mystery crime TV shows 
that's long gone away from one crime per episode all found and solved and wrapped up nicely with a villain in, in jail by the end of it, that they're now five and six episode arcs and easily two to three full episodes in that arc are, are more about just say the relationships, which don't necessarily progress the mystery or crime side of the story at all. I would agree. Let's talk about your Facebook page. Judge a book by its gay cover. <laughs> and you post pi- uh, you post yep. pictures of the covers of gay novels. Why mm. did you start this? To be very specific, it's gay covers from my collection. I don't post anything that I don't own. And that ties into then why did I start it? There's a now answer and a then answer. The then answer was that it was home because I couldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my concentration compromised. So therefore, that I saw as being doing something every day gave me a focus and it has worked very well from that point of view. But a couple of years into that, I suddenly realised, well, or on a day I was doing feeling better in terms of promoting it more. This is a site that you might get, meaning our listeners or uh, anybody who comes across it, might get something out of it as well. And that's the ultimate librarian side of me, not doing it just purely for self, but to share. I'd love a few more likes and laughs um, marks to it, but I don't need them because it's helping me and any benefit to somebody else in the meantime is, uh, is a plus. Should I also mention that Monday, of course, is Monday Mystery Day for those of you who are locked into mystery alone. But mystery always appears on the TBR pile or the Throwback Thursday as well. So you never know what you'll find if, unless you um, troll it. Well, now I know that I didn't know Mondays were specifically designated for uh, Monday mysteries. So it's good to know that. And again, it's judge a book by its gay cover. And I'm going to put you on the spot again here. Having nothing to do with the book itself, are there any covers you've seen that really stand out? I can give a res- I can give a response that uh, is tangential, which is always fun, and that's one of the things that's irritating me. The new trend, what I what I what I see as a new trend, is doing recovers of series without necessarily change of content, and you get thoroughly confused. And have I read this, or haven't I read this, and um, or is this a new uh, revamp, and I need to buy the new edition and stuff. <laughs> well. I'm going to, this next question, I'm going to ask you to forgive me, but I'm really going to put you on the spot. Oh, three times in a row. Uh, Yes, I know. You can make it easy on yourself and give us an author that's dead. (laughs) Name a novelist that you think is overrated. Oh. Now that's interesting because I had had something the other day where, oh, yes, um, it was, from the gay Facebook page, the other moderator, John Michelson, posted a, a series and two or three people were raving about it and I had a, a flag as a didn't finish. I found it difficult. I try not to do the slam something. Just surprising that um, it was such a contradiction between. But I assuaged my guilt by uh, when I double-checked what I'd read by that author, a couple of his standalones or her standalones uh, were um, four or five-star reads, so reread again type material. So I don't know. It might have been that they were the first writings from that author, I think. And that doesn't surprise me that you got a different take on it. I don't read my reviews. I, I do look at the stars. Authors before me have said, don't read your reviews because they 
you'll get you'll read 20 of them and they put you on a high and then you read one bad one and you're suddenly in the dumps. But what I do have is somebody that looks at my reviews for me and gives me the trends. So that way, if there are specific comments, I am hearing what is going on. And it's funny that I'll have a five star from one person that says such original characters and then a one star person that says they're all caricatures. So, <laughs> so everybody reads and sees things differently. So what you're saying doesn't surprise me that you people were praising the book that you didn't think that highly of. And in aspect, I don't use do not finish. I use NITM, which is not in the mood, because uh, as readers, just as writers have times where they just can't seem to get the right words on paper, as a reader, we don't always find something just the right thing at that time. Right. And it could well be just the whole environment that um, makes it unappealing. Yeah, that, I, that definitely has a lot, a lot to do with, I believe. I, I think we've all seen movies and thought they were wonderful, and then we watched it at home and they were terrible, and vice versa. So the same is true with books. I was going to just comment about the flag, uh, the star system, though, um, because, again, I do what works for me because I do an interesting one where it's three stars if I've read it cover to cover. Mm -hmm. Three and a half if I've read it and really enjoyed it. Four, if it's either re I would reread it or have reread, and rarely will I do a five. And of course, a lot, so many of the retailers, book retailers online are about so many, these five star reads. Five star reads to me get thrown away around just far too lightly. Yeah. It's, it's like teachers, some, some that never give A's and some give A's all the time. So I was always grateful for a C. Anyway. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> I, I was not known for my concentration in class. That's for sure. That's why it's hard for me to sit down and write a novel at times. Do you prefer standalones or series novels? My preference is series, but not because it is a series. It's because the first one, two or three have got me wanting to read the rest. My must-buys will always be if I've got uh, a predominance in the series. My buying for print books was uh, Game Mysteries was very much about series. I've got the full set of the Mark Zubro, for example, the Anthony Bedolka, uh, the Giles Brandreth, um, Oscar Wilde Mysteries, a whole range of those where it's about a comfort with the, the characters. But I would have to say the times that I've stopped buying in a series have always been because it's become less of a mystery. It's no longer a, I've really got to have that. Writers are kind of taking a risk when they write a series. And the reason that is, decades ago, your sleuth never grew. They just stayed the same. And <laughs> it was just always about solving a crime. And the reason they kept them without any growth, I tend to throw out Kinsey Milhone, uh, which is Sue Grafton's character, because she's always a good example. Throughout that series of books, she doesn't grow much at all. And another straight novelist, Janet Ivanovich, her character never learns. She just exactly the same character in every book. And there's a certain... Both, both series I should mention that I have read. Okay. So. Well, and there's a comfort level with that from your readers because they like to know what they're getting into. But it can be boring for a writer, and writer may want a character to grow and develop. 
authors or readers appreciate seeing, or they might find it. They don't like the direction that the author decides to take the character. What do you think about that? I said, I look for the developing character um, and the changing circumstances. I think I look for it. Be honest and say I'm hard pressed to actually pull up a name of a series that, that I'm currently following that doesn't develop the character um, or age the character. I would imagine for the writer, some of the press that I do re- have read indicates that they didn't necessarily see it as being um, the start of a series or a character. In which case, once they've then perhaps got into the second or third, they've realised they've got to do a whole lot more plot charting around their office so that they can keep ahead with what's going on or have an idea as to where the character's going to grow. There are those, of course, who start out with the the whole plot board um, with a number of characters and their um, life histories before they even get into doing the uh, pen to paper or the publishing stage. I've liked people like Meg Perry's um, Jamie Brody Mysteries in that she's taken him through quite a, um, a professional career that's aside from the amateur sleuthing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and mm, she had the odd one or two there that were a little bit more uh, personal stories rather than personal development rather than mystery development. Stephen Stanley's done, I've loved his, uh, particularly his Jesse Ainsworth series set in Maine, if I remember rightly. It's been quite good. But I'd be shot at dawn if I didn't mention my very good friend Charlie Cochran and her um, Cambridge Fellows. Uh, again, where the, um, and she's done the difficult in that she hasn't written them in chronological order, but there has been a, a, a whole development of the relationship and the character um, whilst uh, over a period of um, 30 or 40 years, 30 years, I think, and including the First World War, and 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 pulling in threads of the quirks of the sitting, in, in, in her case, of sitting in the wrong chair at the seniors' common room, which started the whole thing off. Yes, it is that sort of development that I'm looking for in a series. Well, and I got to say, you're right about, uh, I interview quite a few authors who plan to write one or two books about a character, and it ended up developing into a series. And they have said that it's very difficult because they would have done the book, their first book, very differently. <laughs> yes. Had they known it was going to continue. Hasn't Michael Narva done that to a certain extent with coming back and um, what I'm calling reimagining the Henry Rios um, first story with Lay Your Sleeping Head? He he is. He's, he is rewriting those stories. I don't know if he's going to be doing all of his books, but he did do changes on some of the books. And John Morgan Wilson is mm. another example. I, I just read mm. Simple Justice, which I really enjoyed. He is re- he is going through all of those and doing lots of editing. Even though he won awards, he's telling me he's look at these books and he's not happy about them. And I'm <laughs> so, so he's doing. Re- I writing. heard him say that, and I'm there thinking, oh, <laughs> but, but they are they are one where I've got the set in print, so yeah, it won't be too much of an agony to buy them as they come out in digital. But I'm there thinking, oh, I'm going to have to re- buy them. <laughs> I haven't even talked about your da- database that you have, which is also mm. called Judge a Book by its gay cover. 
and it's a website. Mm-hmm. But I will include that, and it's more than just covers. It, it talk give a list of books. It's an online catalog. Yeah. But it can be such a finding tool if you're not sure about what or what's in series and things like that. It's a it's a great uh, resource because it, I post up the blurb with the books, and I do like the fact that um, people can use it as a finding tool when they're finding other sites too frustrating. Not. Me- I'm mentioning any names. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy that enjoy that website. So thank you for doing it, and I'll make sure I post it in the show notes so people can get there to it. Uh, again, it's called Judge a Book by its K Cover, which is the same name as its Facebook page. And I'm attempting to sort of stick to the one branding, but uh, I was going to say, uh, or reach out through Messenger um, or on a post at any stage. I'm happy to help. I can't help myself. <laughs> Well, I know you love writers, and uh, you've helped me uh, on a couple things, so I appreciate it. I'm glad I got, I'm glad I got an avid reader, has a good background in on the show, and I do appreciate you being on, Graham. Thank you for that. Can I just add one other thing about the the 2020 phenomenon? Yeah, that it is. A lot of people are, and a lot of people are certainly are hurting, but are also out there more prepared to engage online mm-hmm. through whichever platform. I have found it quite interesting in that because I was a level of self-isolation already, it's been um, and continues to be so rewarding in terms of being able to interact with authors, have private conversations or public ones, spark somebody's uh, interest, um, whether purposely or accidentally. It's been quite amazing for me because uh, it's meant that I've I've had acknowledgement in Matt's bibliography. I've beta read for Elliot Mackle and, of course, being invited onto this broadcast Oh, and been invited to write a foreword for a um, forthcoming publication. Things that would never have been up on the table for me if it hadn't been for the more digitally connected that we are. I agree. And I've got to tell you, I've really appreciated when when people have sent me a message on Messenger to talk about my book. I can't say every author would enjoy it, but I, very few that I can imagine would not appreciate it. I, I really can't think of anybody. And they're always like very grateful that I gave them my time. I'm like, I've got lots of time. And I'll give anybody time if they want to talk about my book. So if anybody has an author that they really appreciate, make sure to drop them a note, a comment, anything and let them know because the stars are one thing, but or and the the reviews are one thing, but actually hear something directly from a person. The first three people that contacted me re, re, regarding my first novel, I'll never forget them. And also reviewers and other readers, giving them that online support for either their opinion or um or what they're doing in terms of their promoting on behalf of authors, or it, it's good to be able to share that you do it a lot in the game mystery thriller support fiction group on facebook and mm. i really appreciate your post because you you really give good feedback on the novels that you you've read thank you for that thank you and thank you again for your time i appreciate it thank you very much for having me and um, keep reading hit the subscribe button wherever you hear our show so you don't miss a single episode tell a friend too Thank you for listening.